welcome to episode one of the F1 show for the 2007 Malaysian Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau. We're the crew that brought you the Formula One Etc.com race news podcast. And now we've switched gears, gone to audio only, and have a new show, the F1 show. Boy, five years sure does go fast. This is not episode one. This is episode 109 of the F1 show for coverage of the Chinese Grand Prix in Shanghai. I am still Robin Warner. I am still Jim Lau, and we still use the same introduction that we did from episode one. Boy, if you get it right the first time, you can just uh, you can just roll with it for that five is, years. That is great. I'm so, so glad you pulled that out. That was a lot of fun to hear again. Yeah, so that was uh, the first episode of the F1 show ever, obviously, posted uh, five years ago yesterday, and that actually uh, came out of, we had a, a show the year before that was a video show that was like way too much work that we couldn't uh, quite keep up with. But Yeah, uh, probably illegal in many, many ways as yeah, well. Yeah, we probably broke several copyright uh, laws and, and various things there. But anyway, we are back at it here in 2012 and uh, had, uh, had there's actually lots to talk about from race, uh, new since the last race and uh, all kinds of things. So let's, uh, let's get into it. Well, but the first thing we have to do, this isn't news from last race, but we need to know how well the show is going to go. And to do that, we would probably be helped with a fortune. And as luck would have it, you and I both have... Our fortune cookies from our lovely Chinese dinner. And yes. we made the promise that we will read our fortunes on the air. Okay. To First, discuss we need to open the very crinkly <laughs> packaging. All right. My cookie kind of pre-broke in my pocket, so. Okay. Well, can you, I have a bite? You can, go, for, you can go first, um, then. Mm, I hope that's not too loud. Okay. The professional show that we are. Yes, what have you got? Not English, by the way. You will soon be honored by someone you respect. Ooh. Well. Nice. That's helpful. I have listened these next few days to your friends to get the answers you seek. Well. That's really clarified things for us. (laughs) There you go. Well, I I mean... I'm going to listen to you then. I guess predictions and And I respect you, so I'm assuming you're going to honor me at some point. Clearly. (laughs) But, okay, we do have a couple things we do want to cover. First and foremost, everyone knows that uh, Fernando Alonso had an amazing Malaysian Grand Prix victory. Yes, in the McLaren. <laughs> Fast forward, we're 2012 now. Oh, wait, that was, okay. Yeah, and, uh, but what may not, what, <laughs> what everyone may not know mm. is that for his troubles, he was given a brand new Ferrari FF road car as a present just for winning the race. Yeah. That's, that's a perk. That, that is a lovely, lovely perk. That is not a bad benefit to have if it's like, hey, you did what we, you know, you did your job and you did a really good job at it. Uh, here's a, you know, a, what, $400,000 car yes. or whatever those things go for. So far, what I've gotten at my current job, which is at Ford Motor Company, is for efforts exceeding the duties of my job or whatever. I got a $100 Amazon gift card. Hey, that's not bad. That's, I mean, I mean, it's not, it's, it, it not quite the prestige of a brand new Ferrari. Well, I looked into it and Amazon doesn't sell Ferrari FFs. Oh, so it's not even like a, so I couldn't, part I couldn't part. parlay that into that. I don't even know if I can get a Ferrari keychain for a hundred dollars. Maybe not actually. Not a real one anyway. It would be, you know, a Ferrari or something where it's spelled wrong. Uh, so anyway, uh, good for him. And, uh, the other bit of news actually is, came from a fan and this is old news in a lot of ways, but I thought it was really interesting. So I wanted to bring it up. It's from Luke Chippendall. I think I got that close to right. And he sent us an email saying, hi guys, enjoy the show. Keep up the good work. Thank you. 
Just an FYI, a friend of mine was a marshal at the Australian GP. He lives in Melbourne. He told me that race control was radioing marshals, telling them to blue flag multiple sectors simultaneously and continuously for 20 seconds without any details of what cars actually needed to see the flag. Often this meant they were blue flagging vacant track, the race leaders, and solitary cars. Sometimes they were lucky enough to actually blue flag a lapped car who should have been making room for a leader. Yes, at the time, Kimi's radio uh, call was, a, was funny, but in fact, he was correct. The marshals were being told to do stupid things by race control. Yeah, because we all so had a good about laugh that? about Kimi being like, what is the deal with the blue flags? And well, we actually, out... we actually got some terse comments saying, why didn't we talk about it? And we, and we said, well, you agreed that it was funny, but we didn't talk about it. So. Right. So here we are talking about it. But I, so I, I found that to be interesting. This uh, poor old Kimi wasn't given a fair shake. Yeah, and now and now we have some more insight. So that's always cool to get, uh, you know, some some news from people on the ground uh, as marshals waving blue flags uh, as they're supposed to do, but apparently at vacant, vacant track and people in the lead and various other things. Because yeah, I guess if you're if you're just out in in like you know fifth spot or something and there's no lap traffic in front of you and you see a blue flag, you're like, what? You know, is right. there something going on that I'm not? I don't know about or whatever. Um, so the other news we've got since the last show is about future races. Uh, one that is you know, a week in the future, the Bahrain race, another one farther in the future. But we'll start with Bahrain. Uh, and we've had very, lots of media coverage uh, saying, okay, the Bahrain, everything is everything is great for the Grand Prix. Uh, we are ready to go. We're, it's going to be sweet. We've seen a lot of other coverage that have said there's lots of serious problems. It's not going to be safe. It's not going to be good. Don't risk it. And lots of opinion pieces back and forth on why it should or shouldn't happen. Um, but the bottom line, as of Sunday, uh, after you know, after the Chinese race, and it's you know pretty well confirmed now um, that uh, and you know there must already be teams and cars and equipment on their way because it's only a week away. Um, that uh, Bahrain is happening. The race is uh, will go forward there, and uh, that that's back on the calendar. And it's it's been interesting. Well, I mean, technically, it was never off, correct? Right. It, it, but there was a lot of debate where it should whether it should be taken off once again. Yeah. And it's tough for me because I have a hard time believing that this is really going to, uh, quote-unquote, unite the Bahrainians uh, with their government. I, I, I feel like that's a bit – that's just a bit of um, propaganda and just wordplay and spinning something. Yeah, and the trouble with that is that's making the Grand Prix into a political event yeah. when it was really – I mean there's always going to be some element to it. It's a, it's a major thing. It puts Bahrain in the world spotlight and all that, but – um, if it was just these guys are going to come here and have their race and then they're going to go away and that's fine, then that's a much less politically charged situation than, right. hey, this is the thing that's going to unify us because then if I'm against that, I'm going to feel much more you know, passionate about this thing that I may not have cared about before. Right. Uh, so I think partly it's that uh, the Bahraini government uh, looking to sort of cash in on this if possible. Um, but originally the FIA's official stance was – um, as with every Grand Prix, it's up to the race organizers, the event organizers, to guarantee everyone's safety. So all the security at the track, and normally that's not a big deal in most of the tracks they go to. Um, and, you know, sometimes it is, well, like we've I seen mean, in it, Brazil and yeah, we've seen some exactly. issues. Exactly. It can be a big deal, but it's dealt with. Right. But there's security. There are, you know, there's, you know, kind of uh, escorts, you know, police escorts and various things to deal with it. Um, so that was really saying the FIA being like, we're just going to show up. And if anything happens, that's on you. And since then, it has actually changed. And Jean Todd has said, you know, the FIA, we are the sanctioning body. We are the one putting on the race. Ultimately, um, you know, it's a round of the FIA World Championship and all that. So uh, we are responsible. So 
whether this succeeds or fails now, uh, you know, in terms of if there's, you know, casualties and if there's a big political uprising about this and if, you know, uh, worst case, of course, if, if anyone gets, you know, injured or involved in some more serious uh, problems, that uh, that's really going to come down to the FIA and really down to John Todd, I think. So now the question is, the, is the trade-off of, you know, best case scenario, everyone goes there, they run the race, and it's fine. You know, and they, just like any other race, they, they run it and it's good. Um, because it's Bahrain, especially with the, uh, I, I forget, are they going to use the extra little, like, seven extra turns of nonsense in the track? Because I think they talked about not doing that, but if, with all the discussion over the race in general, I don't well, know. Well, it was they're... only actually used the one time, right? Yeah. And it was bad. It was bad. So, so anyway, so it's not usually an exciting race. Um, and, you know, especially uh, the last time it was held, two years ago, it was especially sort of lame. Um, and so, anyway, so best case scenario, we've got a meh race. Um, but all the sponsors that have paid to, you know, all the, all the promoters, all the all the money that's changed hands is at least they get a race out of the deal as opposed to canceling it. But it seems like the trade-off from as as poorly as this can go in terms of actually, you know, injuries and, and people and, you know, that's sort of the human cost as well as, you know, the publicity. If, if anything goes wrong, um, it's going to be just this looked at as, oh, you know, F1 and FIA just really considered, you know, all that they care about was the money over all the people that may have gotten hurt or, yeah, you know, all the political right. nonsense that may have gone on. So it's definitely a bit of a gamble and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, hopefully everything goes forward and hopefully everything's, everything goes fine. Uh, but it's, you know, really uh, kind of a crazy situation to uh, to be put in. Absolutely. But the counterpoint to that, which I'm not entirely sure I totally buy, but I think it's worth pointing out, is that if, you know... What I think is at the core of this is that they don't want Formula One as the entire circus to be, as being shown to be supportive of the Bahraini government. The purpose isn't to be anti-Bahraini government or pro. The purpose is to put on a good show for the Bahrainians and for the world. But this is a Bahrainian government thing that's been put on, and you know to show to. Do the race and support what the Bahrainian government wants is to support the Bahrainian government. And so you can make that argument and say you shouldn't do that. But then if you take a step back and you say, well, what about uh, the Chinese Grand Prix? And what about the maybe to a lesser extent the Malaysian Grand Prix? And some of these other – or Abu Dhabi for that matter. Like there's... To be perfectly honest, the U.S. Grand Prix. <laughs> I mean, to, I mean <laughs> while, we're, while we're counting them off, right? I mean there – you could make that point for a lot more of the races. I think China, the China Grand Prix is probably the most uh, correlatable, you know, event where the, the government has a stronghold on the people and maybe doesn't always, you know, treat everybody entirely fairly. So by going there, are you really supporting the government or not? And if, if you make that stance to be kind of PC about it, politically correct about it, well, then... Where can you go without it being an issue at that point? Right. I, I was thinking about that this morning. There's, you know, pretty much any country in the world, let alone on the on the Grand Prix calendar. Uh, there's some problems with human rights. There's some, you know, government issues in terms of getting people's lives and various things. So you can't, you know, just pick and choose on that. But I think the difference here is that um, there has been a lot of violence. Um, there's been violence surrounding the Grand Prix and whether or not the Grand Prix is going to happen. And then, and those, you know, also just like the. Uh, you know, celebrate the, the one year on of the protests from last year, and then those are coming out right around the same time as the Grand Prix. So it's sort of uh, more so than just you know, do we want to support this country by virtue of having a race there is one thing, but is this even a safe place to be? Right. And what you know, and if it's so politically charged that there's so many protests going on right there, that's uh, you know certainly something to think about. So 
anyway, it's happening, uh, and you know, like I say, it was never taken off the the, the list. But uh, there's a lot of conflicting reports, and you know, different people seem to go visit the country and come back with different takes on uh, what the situation is. But absolutely, either way, uh, we'll be there in a week. Well, we won't, but the the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the whole F1 system will be there, and uh, hopefully everything goes fine. Yeah, uh, we certainly hope for the best, and hope also that everyone's safe and that the race is more interesting. I mean, there's a lot of things to hope for here. Yes. Um, and also, I, there was a great discussion on uh, the Facebook page about this. We, you know, as news kept popping up, uh, we'd had conversations. So if you're at all interested in, in uh, you know, putting your point of view across, if you have any in, kind of inside information about it, um, you know, uh, uh, Brendan James Cronk, for example, he works, I'm pretty sure, in Abu Dhabi now, but he worked in Bahrain for a while. So he had some good inside knowledge about... Uh, just how that situation was on a day-to-day on a day-to-day basis. So, if you want to put your two cents in, uh, our Facebook page had a great discussion about it. You should check it out. Sounds good. Uh, the other future race that I want to talk about is the 2013 Grand Prix of America. Ah, I've heard of that one. Yes, not to be confused with the 2012 U.S. Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas. Yeah, that the can can be a problem. can really mess you up. So, uh, as if you've been on the Facebook page, you've seen this already. But for all of our listeners, or if uh, you've gone to the website, or if you've been to F1Show.com. Um, but we went there a couple weeks ago, uh, two weekends ago, to the site of the. The just what is it? Port Imperial, Port Street, Imperial Circle. Street Circuit. Yeah, Pisk. Yes. Uh, so uh, we just wanted to see what the what what it looked like, what the track was going to be, how far the construction was along, and those kind of things. And uh, did a put together a video that uh, we've put on YouTube, and a lot of people seem to enjoy. Uh, so we you know drove the track, uh, gave some commentary, gave some insight, and all that, and just sort of um, our take as the uh, the American podcast and American F1 podcast. Um, checking out the you know future American racetrack, and it should be pretty cool. And the, the track itself is pretty cool. So to ride along with us and see the track from ground level, from in a car, and um, see Robbins and my happy faces, uh, you can definitely check that out. <laughs> and uh, just if you visit f1show.com, it's still going to be right there, um, and it's also linked to on our Facebook page. Or if you're uh, just on YouTube, you can just look up f1show.com is our username, and, and that's uh, f1showdotcom, all one word. Yeah, you'll find us there and uh, and check it out there. And I, I recommend it if you haven't seen it because it's a pretty cool video. Yeah, we've actually we've been very lucky to get a lot of positive response on it. And I re- I honestly was uh, uh, very pleasantly surprised with uh, the response. I mean, we we kind of knew that because uh, we, we looked at some of the videos coming into into it, and we thought, ah, you know, with some of the resources we have and you know our experience with the podcast, we thought we could uh, put together a decent little thing. And it seems like a couple of people have agreed with us, so that's kind of. That's been rewarding. It's been enriching, I guess you could say. It has, but that's old news. It is. Now, we've got, uh, we've got plenty to talk about from China. Um, starting, I guess, um, I, I didn't actually watch any of practice. So I didn't I, either. I don't this, know how that, it's, it's been, been busy. It's been very busy <laughs> for all of us. You know, you don't need to worry about our, our day job lives, but they've been hectic. And so, yeah, we kind of had to cut some of the practice watching short. However, qualifying... Uh, was pl- provided plenty of interferta- inter- <laughs> entertainment to get it started. Uh, yeah, so starting, uh, let's let's nothing earth shattering in in, uh, in Q1 uh, with, with uh, Jean Eric Verne, I think, in the STR being the odd man out in Q1. But yes, in Q2, stayed intact. We had such uh, such earth shattering revelations as Felipe Massa not making it into the top ten. Oh my god! Oh wait, no, that wasn't that big. But Sebastian <laughs> Vettel not making it into the top ten. Sebastian Vettel qualified eleventh. 
for the Chinese Grand Prix in 2012. He was on pole, I believe, the previous three outings. Is that correct? Um, certainly had done better than that in the past. I know that for sure. And uh, it, it was just incredible, A, that Mark Webber so soundly outqualified him, and B, that uh, he he went out uh, for a second time in Q2, but it was late enough and whatever else happened. Or no, did he try to sit on his time? Was that the issue? They, he they... sat on his time. Well, he, and it's, what's wild, the uh, fastest time in Q2 was Mark Webber with a 35.7. Yeah. Flat, one minute 35.7. Uh, and Vettel had a... Uh, it was a 36.2 or something. A 36 flat. So three... 36... Oh, that's right. So he did go out a second time, and he did have a 36.2. And he improved it to a 36 flat. Right, right. Yeah, he was there at the end. Um, and so he's only three-tenths off, just over three-tenths of a second yeah. off of the fastest time of the session. And that wasn't enough. That's and, how close this uh, this qualifying was. Yeah, and the, the midfield, even even last race, we started to see the midfield was getting um, pretty tight. You know, the difference between 11th and 17th was not that much. And to have someone like Sebastian Vettel um, not get out of Q2 and have both Sauber Ferraris comfortably into Q3. That was interesting. Yes. And uh, also... Um, both Renaults, both, both yeah, Lotus Renaults. I just going to say, yeah, both Lotus Renaults as well, yep. uh, with, with Romain Grosjean not setting a time in Q3, but making it through there, and uh, and Raikkonen making it up in the top 10. But at the sharp end of the grid, uh, we had Mercedes, and not even McLaren Mercedes, but Mercedes Mercedes, yes. AMG, yes. I guess they're called now, with Nico Rosberg in his first pole position ever. And that was an awesome lap. Yes. First of all, he was half-second clear actually half second plus another five thousandths clear of everybody and uh it was it was a lap without a hint of lockup it was a lap with uh zero you know counter steering it was just perfectly smooth perfectly balanced managed the tires perfectly and i really think what got nico rosberg not just pole but such a commanding pole was a really well done warm-up lap because uh, his tires were just hooked up better than anybody else's. Right. And for whatever reason, there's they talked about this, how the weather kind of got cooler as the qualifying session was going on. And it just seemed to suit the Mercedes better than the McLaren Mercedes and some of the other runners. And I really think uh, Nico warmed his tires up just the perfect amount uh, in a way that Schumacher couldn't quite pull off. And then he just nailed the lap to have such a huge gap. I mean, this is a Vettel kind of time we're looking at. Right, which is funny because Vettel was an 11th. <laughs> right, exactly. But yeah, so it was Nico Rosberg on top, and then actually Hamilton qualified second. But as we know, he had a uh, five-place uh, grid penalty for changing his uh, gearbox. I always say that five-spot penalty on the starting grid, whatever. You know the deal. Five-place penalty. Uh, so he ended up having to start seventh. So uh, that pushed Michael Schumacher up to second spot. So it was Mercedes lockout on the front row, um, which is the first time that's happened since 1955, as though that team then has anything to do with Mercedes today, but whatever. But the name was they the both... Mercedes then, and it's Mercedes now, and... Yep, fair enough. You know, um, 57 years later. And so, okay, so with, so looking at that, we think, all right, well, that's just because, um, you know, Mercedes has the super Durs, I'm calling it. Yes. With the uh, blown front wing activated or by Durs. Sitters. Nope, super Durs is what it is. Oh. You can't change it now. Sitters. Nope, super durs. Uh. Um, so you think, all right, so the Mercedes aren't going to, they're not going to have the race pace. Uh, so who's next? Who's next down the line? Kamui Kobayashi. Yeah, unbelievable. Okay, and then Kimi Raikkonen. 
then Jensen Button. So it's this, you kind of have to look back uh, to, you know, he's qualified sixth to start fifth, um, all the way back to fifth spot to, uh, you know, the usual guys we would have expected on, on pole. So uh, it was, you know, a pretty wild qualifying session. Just that little change in temperature seemed to affect everyone slightly differently. Yeah. And just, you know, like I say, Nico had a combination of the right time and temperature in the tires, partly because of just the way the timing was and, and luck, but also, you know, I think, like you say, uh, just the perfect amount of uh, knowing how to how to deal with those conditions and yeah. just nailed that lap in a way that no one else could. And we've seen performance from the Mercedes earlier this year, and we've seen that the, the Lotus Renault has had potential. I mean, we had Romain Grosjean qualifying third, I believe, just last race. It was the first or second race that he qualified third. And so we've seen that, but these sovers have come out of nowhere. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, we have Sergio Perez... Um, you know, taking second place last week, last race, and then practically ne- battling for the lead. Yeah. Next race, we have both Saubers comfortably in Q3 with Kamui Kobayashi in fourth, and you know, taking away Rosberg's time. If Lewis Hamilton's time were pole, he was less than two tenths off of Hamilton's time. So the Sauber in a single lap qualifying pace was less than two tenths slower than a McLaren. That's just amazing. Yeah, and actually on the Sauber car, there's and I guess it's a new sponsor or something. It just says "Out of the Blue." Which yeah. is which is perfect. It's, whoever I mean, is. whoever signed apt. up that deal to yeah. have like out of the blue sponsorship on that car is brilliant because that's really what these cars are doing is, um, you know, because they weren't uh, amazing in Australia, and uh, as we talked about at the time, you know, with the preseason testing, the times don't really matter, right? And then even Friday practice times don't really matter, and then qualifying, okay, but it's most, it's Australia, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's a street course. And then and we yeah. had the, the race, and then it, you know, then we had Fernando Alonso winning, and that, it's just so we still don't have i mean if anything i guess we can say that the mercedes are strong and the salvers are strong um but how much of that will parlay into bahrain and the temperatures there and the tires there and you know the warfare going on there or whatever uh you know we don't know uh what's still don't have a a, you know a firm sense of exactly you know how things are going to play out which is fun it's 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 amazing and it's interesting too because you know the other thing we're seeing is you can have a car that's great for qualifying pace and not necessarily for race pace, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? We've seen a fairly big discrepancy in qualifying pace performance relative to your team versus race pace performance relative to your team. And so that's going to be interesting how that continues to play out. Because to me, it seems uh, we're starting to build a trend that the McLaren seems to be the strongest race pace machine. Mm-hmm. But maybe it isn't the strongest qualifying pace machine. And it all comes down to how, how good you are at extracting time from the tires. These tires that Pirelli have made for this year are extremely sensitive to temperature. And so how well they perform in a single lap and then how long they'll last over a duration, over a, a stint, those two things are, are quite sensitive to the setup and the temperature and the type of track and those type of things. So depending on whether your car is easy or hard on tires affects how quickly they can warm up, how long they last, all these things. It has huge implications for how this championship's going to play out. It, it sure does. And it's funny, uh, you know, thinking back to in the way the race played out today was just um, – what to watch, you know, was a lot of confusion in terms of lots of pit stops, you know, early and often, and then um, not a uh, even a clear like this tire is better. It was just kind of what kind of run are we doing? Of course, everyone's got the same heavy fuel loads at the beginning of the race, and that burns off. But um, you know, very mismatched. Uh, when do they use the softer and harder compounds? 
so the result was, you know, we, we, with the, the pit stops early and the pack staying actually really pretty consistent. Uh, all the lap times here, you know, there were only a couple of cars lapped uh, over, the, over the course of the whole thing. So we'd have someone lap, you know, or, or pit from second place and come out 18th or something, you know, just we had these huge swings in terms of the, of the uh, track position and, you know, the way the tires and, and with everyone taking all these pit stops um, was probably a pretty tricky uh, strategy call for a lot of the teams to figure out Absolutely. not only well, how can we maximize our own race and just, you know, get get to the end of this race before anyone else and, you know, what we're going to have for lap times and tires and all that, but trying to manage well, where are our competitors going to be, where is the traffic going to be, how are we going to, you know, fit around those kind of things. Uh, and so it just was, you know, the first sort of third of the race, there was not a whole lot going on. But once the pit stops started, uh, we sort of cycled through, and then it really kind of opened up, and especially the last, I guess, 20 laps uh, was really uh, very drama-filled. And uh, it did remind me of... Um, the Montreal Grand Prix, when you know the first time the uh, the the old tires, of, you know, I guess was it the Bridgestones, um, really started going off, and people, you know, that made things interesting because people yes. had to come in and pit, and that shuffled up the order, and people had to repass, and those kind of things, and then they wanted to model the Pirellis after that kind of race, and that worked uh, in this case. You know, that really yes. was a lot of the excitement was mixing things up. I mean, we started out with a mixed up grid uh, in terms of where people were compared to their pace and where they usually are. Or but, what we presume to be a mixed up grid now. I mean, we don't know, actually. This could be... Well, as, as I think uh, someone mentioned on our Facebook page, you know, it's a lot of the, the egos as well, right? You know, Sebastian Vettel starting in 11th is going to have a much different mindset than Sebastian Vettel starting in 1st. And so, yeah, regardless of what the actual pace of the car is, there is sort of that, uh, you know, the, the ego thing or of, of this car, you know, oh, I should be able to get around these Saubers or I should be yeah. able to make this happen. So, yeah, just kind of an interesting start. And then... Um, but yeah, the tires really seem to be this big, this big key of um, everyone understanding them better and, and working on them. But then also just, um, you know, the the way they're picking the compounds to be really aggressive, so that we have a race where tires really are a factor. And uh, back to qualifying, just to wrap it up a little bit, I did want to point out that uh, 107 percent rule took us to a minute 42.9, um, and both HRTs were very comfortably within within that. Uh, Pedro de la Rosa qualified with a minute 40.4 and Noreen Carthikeyan a 141 dead. So it seems like HRT has been able to make some huge strides in just a very short amount of time, or maybe the track suit them a little better better now. But it uh, uh, seems like all 12 teams are very comfortably within the 107% rule, which is nice. And, um, you know, even in the very back, it does seem like there's a little bit more competition between HRT and Ma Russia. And, you know, there was kind of a hope that Caterham was Caterham was really going to try to move into the mid-pack um, zone. But they're still their solid second, second and a half off the pace, I think, for that. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't – the other thing about uh, today – well, I guess just skipping a little bit to the race, but talking about the back markers uh, is not – not so much attrition. Uh, you know, today we only had one car out of the race, really. Uh, and so, you know, usually that's the, the whole key of the back markers. If they can just keep close enough, um, you know, have enough pace to, to keep, you know, not too far behind the lead lap, you know, one lap down, maybe ho- hopefully not getting lapped twice and all that. But if enough other cars are out of the race or just, you know, a, pit, a safety car happens to happen at the right time with their pit cycle or something like that so they can get up there and scrounge a point. Uh, but that still hasn't happened. And, and part of that, I think, is because uh, we've had so few cars out of these races uh, it really has been a lot of clean racing, uh, which is which is good to see, and uh, you know I guess good to see for us as fans and, and for uh, you know following the drivers, but uh, for the uh, the backmarker teams that are just hoping to you know weasel their way into a point here or there, uh, you know it's still no points between the bottom three teams, 
uh, is you know that's still uh, still the case. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and move on to the race. Uh, it was fantastic to watch. It was got a little snoozy in that first third, like you mentioned, but uh, definitely once we got into the second half and once we started having guys bunching up with each other, you know, we had some real serious battles, and it seemed like almost everyone was racy at different points um, in in the day. If if you don't mind, the thing that really stuck out in my mind the most was towards the end with Kimi Raikkonen. You know, here yeah. we were with like eight laps to go. Kimi Raikkonen was in second place. Right. And uh, two laps later, he was in 12th, ends up finishing the race 14th. So we're talking about tire degradation and uh, managing the, managing tires and the debate between do you take the 20-plus seconds in for a pit stop versus what you're going to lose. And, boy, did he epitomize that more than anybody. Of getting it wrong, yeah. Of oh, just, if, unbelievable. And it's a little hard to say, um, you know, looking at it from the outside, but it, the idea is if after that first lap of really sliding around and getting past a couple of, losing a couple of places, if he had then said, guys, I need tires, pitted then and gotten back out, um, you know, it's a little hard to know exactly what would have happened down there, but it seems like it would be hard to do much worse than losing an additional, like, you know, eight spots after that. Uh, and, you know, and then that's also where you can, you know, sometimes get a fast lap in there. And then when everyone else is on ragged tires, but you're on fresh tires, sometimes make some really cool moves and, and move up. But yeah, so Kimi, uh, started on the, started fourth, um, and then did one of the earlier pit stops, uh, in terms of the, the front runners, he was actually one of the first of the front runners to take a pit stop. So then he, you know, came out, uh, far back in the field, but worked his way back up as everyone else pitted to second spot. And then again, did a, did his, uh, his second stop and worked his way back up. And then was in second for, uh, you know, for a good six or seven laps before it just all came undone. Everyone else had done pit stops. Everyone else was sort of cycled up, and um, it was it was sort of tragic in a way because it was exciting to see a good result coming for Kimi, and then uh, for that for his race to really just come unglued like that. Well, and you know, it, what's interesting, it's also possible that it wasn't entirely the tires. It was actually triggered by um, a battle between him and it must have been Vettel. It was either Vettel or Button. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure who it was. It was Vettel originally, yeah. And uh, what happened was them racing each other too wide um, forced Kimi into all the uh, all the tire rubber that had um, come off the cars, all the marbles mm-hmm. off track, which there were tons of. And so he got really wiggly and wide. And so that triggered his loss of performance. He lost a place, then he lost a second place. And... Um, it was from that point he never seemed to recover. So I don't know. Maybe his tires were so hot that some of those marbles just got baked into the compound, and he couldn't he couldn't get them to scrub off, and that's what made him slow down so much. Maybe his wing got jammed full of all this stuff, so his front wing became a lot less effective. So I don't know. But that was the trigger, and then from there he could not recover, right. and he was just a rolling chicane at that point which was a shame because we saw some really good wheel-to-wheel racing uh, between him and Vettel I think and Weber in there just working his way up to the field and a couple of you know really pretty uh pretty tenuous moments where you're you know you're sort of standing up you know gesturing at the tv like ah you know be careful what you you know just uh which is which is some of the best stuff right um but we saw that uh all throughout I mean basically Rosberg um we might as well go out and say uh owned this race unbelievable uh, I mean, I guess you could say Rosberg vetted it, uh, or Rosberg 2011 vetted it. I guess would, would be the more. Uh, but, right. You know, so the only the only times he wasn't in the lead was uh, during his pit stops, where he went down to third and then went down to second. But just once he cycled back through, uh, it was um, the only threat he really faced uh, was Jensen Button around the second pits, uh, you know, second pit rotation. Um, 
Uh, but when Jensen had a slow pit stop there, it really put him out of the uh, out of contention for uh, having a run at Rosberg. So he just took it and ran with it. Um, his teammate Schumacher, who of course started second, uh, had a dreadful day in that a, he was running in second and that was doing fine. Um, the speed commentators seemed to think that uh, Schumacher was being the good number two driver and holding up the rest of the field. Ridiculous. We don't really buy that. It doesn't quite seem like a Schumacher thing to do, and he was probably going as fast as he could go and, and do fine. But after Schumacher's first and only pit stop, um, the uh, right front wheel guy did not get the uh, get the wheel nut on all the way properly. And, and he uh, tried to make everyone else know that as best as he could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. He was flailing his yeah. arms. He was pounding the pavement. And uh, the car just was off and it was too late apparently. To us, it seemed like had he gotten the attention of the lollipop guy or the front jack man or somebody and said, stop the car, they might have been able to, or radio to Michael to stop before he was completely out of the box and maybe wheeled the car back, they would have lost a lot of time, but they wouldn't have been out of the race. Right. And it's what's weird is you shouldn't have to gesture when something's wrong. It seems like, you know, the the whole point of the 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 pit the pit guys, you know, the, their hand gestures and their movements and their signals to each other is all to say, yes, I'm done. Go ahead and release the car. You know, a lot of times it's, you know, putting the putting the hand like on the top of the wheel, um, you know, just kind of vertically saying like, okay, I'm, you know, my station is good. I'm ready. The, the, the lollipop guy can see that clearly. See, okay, all four corners are good. Release the car, you know, hopefully check in the pit lane to see that he's not going to crash into anybody. Right. Um, and it's a lot of decisions that need to be made very, very quickly. Um, but what it's, it was hard to see from the camera angles we had exactly what happened if he said he was good and then realized, wait, I'm not good, or if it was just a misread by the, the lollipop guy, um, and, you know, this, just to say, hey, everything, well, I don't see anybody flailing yet, so everything must be good, and he was actually going to switch his jack, or, you know, we don't know, uh, I don't have an inside story on exactly what happened there, but, um, the bottom line was, yeah, it's, hopefully then you know if the initial system um to to say not don't release the car until we're ready it, once that failed it seemed pretty obvious i mean this guy was doing all the gestures he could to say hey this this is a problem um you know the wheel nuts not on there that maybe by the end of the, you know by the time the mercedes was done at the end of the pit lane they could have brought him back or something um you know, go uh, get them into the McLaren pit box and pay them a hundred million dollars to like, <laughs> to please just tighten this wheel nut for us. We'll owe you one. Just get the car safe. Uh, that, that is one possibility. That's there probably, is a Mercedes engine in there. Hey, probably, how would you like a free engine? Just yeah, send Norbert Hogg down there with a wheel gun. I don't know something. But uh, so the bottom line is, he ended up you know being able to go three or four corners and then said, oh, the, the wheel's loose and had to pull off the track and stop. Um, so another very, very disappointing uh, result for Schumacher, who's just can't catch a break this year, it seems, um, with a 20th place, a 10th place, and now a 24th place finish yes. um, for the for the Mercedes. Um, so that really just yeah left uh, you know left the competition up to uh, to Button and Hamilton and the rest of the guys to uh, to try and push Rosberg. But uh, that... although with that said, I do have to say I think it is worth mentioning that um, Schumacher has been driving really well and uh, i think he deserves a shout out for his performance uh, personally he's been qualifying really well he's been you know his average qualifying position is third this season yeah that's very impressive which is a fourth a third and a second yes so logically, next time, Mike Schumacher's going to be on pole. Logically. Although, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can agree with that. I think if he was a really good driver, he would have been able to tell that that wheel nut wasn't on all the way. And he would have been like, wait, you guys, it's not ready to go. I mean, <laughs> The you know, corner weights, they don't feel I right. I mean, he's kind of a new driver. He hasn't won a lot of races. He doesn't kind of know the ropes yet. But I think eventually he'll he'll get there. He'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, no, I, I've been very pleased with his performance and you know, he's up to this point he's been outperforming Nico as well when <laughs> when his car has been available to him on track. So um, you know, Nico's performance today was uh, dominant. It was extremely impressive. He was pretty much destined to get his first victory today. And it's been a long, long time coming. But he performed it very well. He handled the pressure just just uh, superbly and, and deserved it. And I don't think Michael was ever thinking to himself that he was going to get Nico on straight performance. Perhaps strategy might have uh, given him a chance. But uh, again, you know, just uh, it's a shame that his uh, his uh, season has gone the way it has. But it's really comforting to see him driving a car quickly and not, you know, flailing around and being out uh, being outperformed by his teammates so badly constantly. So I think there's definitely a new new light. It's kind of amazing that it's taken three seasons, but I think finally just he's shaken off all the rust. The car is coming around. He's getting used to the tires, and he can finally start getting closer to that magic of uh, that he used to have. Yeah. And it's, so with Schumacher out and Rosberg out there dominating, uh, what we were left with was um, a really tight pack of cars uh, from second place down to, like, at some points, ninth and tenth. I mean, we had quite sometimes really nose to tail on track, um, and then anyone would pit, they would kind of get back to the back of that of that train and, and move forward. I mean, looking at the lap chart from this race mm-hmm. is a garbled mess. Uh, it's which, <laughs> yes. But that's cool, right? Because right. we have seen races where it is basically, hey, here's where they started, and then they went a bunch of laps, and here's where they finished, and nothing really happened. Okay, here maybe there was a pit stop. But um, it's really fun. I mean, there was just a lot to keep track of. There'd be moves where one guy would go wide, and that would, like, two cars would get around him, and then he would get around someone else. Like, it was just um, the the combination of the tires going wonky, um, which which also meant all, there was all that buildup offline, meant that a little mistake became a big mistake pretty quickly, um, as well as, I think, the track um, and just this design, you know, the, the decreasing radius turn one, where it's sort of you can get in a position that feels really good, but then, uh, but then all of a sudden you've got this, you've got a right hand, a right hand, a right hand. Oh, it's a left hand all of right. a sudden. So where you think, you know, in some cases you would have, you would have gotten the corner um, is only the beginning in some of these. And then, uh, you know, people end up losing that as well as, um, you know, the, uh, the, the only, I guess, hairpin, you know, at the, at the end of the fastest straight is the tightest corner. Uh, and then people have to get back on that to, uh, to do really well to get on the front straight. So I think, um, you know, I've, I've, we've had some, We've had some pretty good drama in uh, in Chinese Grand Prix in the past, and I think this was this was right up there with them in terms of just lots of overtaking, um, and not not much in terms of lead changes. But that you know second through you know second to seventh, we'll say, and then you know at some points even farther back than that was some really really good battling. Mark Weber, so yeah. far, yeah, has outqualified and outraced Sebastian Vettel this season entirely, entirely. Wow, uh, he's he's. Uh... He's uh, doing very, very well, and passed him straight up on the track. Passed him on track. It wasn't pit strategy or anything else. He was behind Vettel, and then he was ahead of Vettel on the racetrack. He's been having a much better season against Vettel, I think, for two reasons. One, um, the uh, the blown diffusers are gone, and he didn't seem to have as good a handle on that as Vettel did. Two, the tires are a little bit different, which has given them both kind of a clean, clean state. And three, Vettel isn't just off way in the front, Vettel has his own things to deal with. Yeah. And I think Weber just has, you know, we'll avoid the whole Vettel doesn't know how to pass anybody discussion, but we will say 
that uh, you can definitely make the argument that Weber has a lot more experience just being in the mix. Yeah. Right? He's been with mid-back teams almost his whole career and just very used to cutting it up with faster cars and with slower cars. Yeah. Now, in Vettel's defense, I just pulled up f1show.com slash stats, which yes. you may or may not know is actually a brilliant repository of stats and graphs and information. <laughs> yes. And according to that, uh, Sebastian Vettel was second in the uh, Australian Grand Prix compared to Mark Weber's fourth. Right. Yes, but he's he's ahead of he's ahead of uh, Vettel overall. Overall, okay. Right. So, so but o- it's not that every race he's right. outqualified in every race he's no, finished. No, 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 no. I mean, he he has he has um, outqualified him outqualified him in every race. Yes. That is true. And outraced him three out of or two out of three. Two so out of three. Okay. Right. Um Boy, that stats thing is a really helpful resource. <laughs> sure is. I hope our fans know about f1show.com slash stats because it's, uh, it's a great way to win bets or, or make yourself look like a fool because you're not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, I'm, just, I'm happy to see Mark Weber doing well, and I'm happy to see um, him uh, you know, having a hold of Vettel uh, better than last year. Not anything against Vettel, just you know, we're... It's not an anti-Vettel thing. It's a pro-Weber thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, him finishing fourth this year, it's it's interesting because he's actually doing almost the exact same this year as he was last year, you know, up to this point. But the difference is the performance of the Red Bull compared to the competitors. Yeah. You know, so it, it, I was happy to see him do well. And it was it was hard to tell how the Red Bulls were doing with the way the pit stop cycles. You know, you'd be in third and fourth, and you do a pit stop, all, in sec- all of a sudden you're in 15th. Um but if we move up the grid slightly, then we come to the McLarens. Yes. And uh, once again, Jensen Button, you know, this was his kind of race where you've got tires to manage. You have um, a lot of strategy to think about. And I think he, he did a really strong job. Yeah. If, it's really a shame about the, uh, the, the sort of the pit error um, on, his, on his last pit stop because if it weren't for that, it was looking like it could really come down to a Rosberg Button shootout for the finish. You know, we can't say, of course, for sure. Uh, he would have won or anything like that, but um, it, you know, Button did a great job. He did a, he did a really good start and went from uh, from fifth to third right in the opening opening lap. Yep. Uh, and then just cycled through the pit stops and whatever was actually leading at one point when Rosberg was pitting, and then uh, yeah, worked his way back up and got around um, Vettel for uh, for second spot and uh, was able to was able to bring it home there. So uh, he was well clear of Rosberg at that point, but basically down to that that pit stop problem that was right. Um, so the pit stop caused caused him to lose five seconds on its own right maybe six seconds on right on right off the bat there which put him in a lot more traffic than he would have been otherwise right there's a good chance he would have been in clean air which certainly slowed him down further now how much so it could have been that you know rossberg would have been on his own in first and vettel would have been on it and, and jensen would have been on his own in second and he would have been seven or eight seconds behind instead of 20 mm-hmm. at the finish but it also could have been potentially a very tight race we don't know because how much tire could Jensen use and really work to catch up Rosberg? Because Rosberg's tires were fairly well shagged up by the time he finished the race. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was an interesting see. But um, also wanted to give another shout-out to Hamilton for finishing third again. <laughs> right. Well, okay, this time, starting from seventh, he also made up two spots, you know, on, on the on the get-go. And again, the, this penalty wasn't for unsportsmanlike blocking or anything, anything that was really directly his fault. It was a gearbox change. Uh, and, and then, so it was just, he was, you know, Hamilton then just trying to make the most out of yes. uh, that unfortunate f- starting position. So yeah, made his way up to, up to fifth. 
uh, and then cycled through pit stops a couple of times. And of course, Schumacher, come, you know, falling out of the race helped and, and moved him up. But then he was basically in what I gather would, was third spot throughout the rotation. You know, he was in third and then pit and then worked his way back up to third. Um, and then was able uh, to, uh, you know, to get around Vettel again in, you know, near the very end. Had some great moves, had some great racing. Yeah, there was some great wheel-to-wheel with Vettel in there and, and with a lot of guys, really. Um, but the, the, the question then, I guess, is if it weren't for that penalty, right, if Hamilton had started splitting the Mercedes, if he'd started on the front row and been able to, you know, been in the cleaner air, not quite in that whole pack of traffic, uh, you know, push, uh, push Rosberg a little bit, uh, you know, or whatever, you know, that if it could have been a McLaren, uh, you know, could have been a better result for McLaren today, if if only, but this is how it goes. Potentially, or it might have tempted Hampton, Hamilton a little bit too much, and he would be lean on his tires more than he should have been, and he wouldn't have managed that very well, and he would have had 17 pit stops just to keep decent rubber on his car. Because in these kind of conditions, when you have a higher abrasive track and, um, you know, sensitive tires, he tends to... He tends to wear them out more quickly than others, so it'd be interesting to see if the traffic almost helped him, you know, keep him controlled. But um, I, 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 I wonder if you know what his average race position finish is. I don't know. Could you tell me? It, How, it, where, it, where, where would one go to find that? It, it, it's, it's third, because he finished third every time, actually. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, F1 show stats would tell you that in many ways. Um, so uh, I, I think really both the McLaren boys can be proud of their performance. And and also, you know, if you look at it at, from a team perspective, you know, McLaren is is you know definitely the front running team. They're first in the constructors' championship. They have 88 points between the two of them. Um, you know, a nice little chunk ahead of Red Bull Racing with 64, who's in second. So, as a team, they're doing very well. Um, Ferrari, interestingly enough, is third in the constructors um, with uh, Fernando Alonso's 37 points. So. Um, even with this win that Mercedes have, it's it's still it's moved them up to uh, fifth, but um, uh, they're still behind Sauber and um, and Ferrari and obviously Red Bull and McLaren. So uh, hopefully, if they can start getting both their guys to finish in the points, the car seems capable. They just have to get the luck and a little bit of the details sorted out. Um, so uh, you know, good stuff. Yeah, for sure. So just to run down the uh, the results here a little bit, like we talked about, Nico Rosberg dominating, then Jensen behind him, uh, Lewis uh, coming in in third, and then Mark Webber ahead of Vettel, like we mentioned. Uh, then uh, in sixth spot is uh, Romain Grosjean in the uh, in the Lotus Renault. So the way that you know that was in the mix of that whole pack, people were moving around and with the pit stops and stuff, it's kind of hard to keep track of exactly where everyone was. But the way that broke down, sixth through tenth, was Romain Grosjean. Bruno Senna, Pastor Maldonado, and then Fernando Alonso, uh, and then all the way to, to Kumui Kabayashi in 10th, um, who did come in ahead of Checo Perez, um, so it was a good vindication for Kamui, I guess. I mean, the, both the Sauber guys were kind of disappointed, having started really high and looking really promising, but uh, whether it was just getting the, t- you know, getting the tire calls a little bit wrong with the strategy and the pit stops and whatever, but uh, you know, it was a little bit disappointing to only have you know, a 10th and 11th spot by the end of the day, but uh, I'm sure... After all the limelight for Checo Perez being on the uh, being on the podium last weekend, for uh, Kamui to at least outperform him, you know, to say, hey, but you know, I'm I'm here too. It's not just that Sergio is amazing; it's that also, you know, it's a good car, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm driving it too. Uh, then we had the um, <laughs> and um, one one interesting thing I, w- I want to bring up the F1 show stats yet again, yeah, um, because uh, Romain Grosjean's 
laps complete percentage. Right. For three races so far. After the first race, he had completed 2% of all the laps. Not very great. Yeah. After two races, he completed 4% of all the... Yeah, had had but five total laps before this weekend of of racing laps in 2012, which is really a disappointment. But he completed every single lap this round, which brings his total up to 35% of the laps completed. Yeah. So that... Uh, that metric has gone way up for him, and more, most importantly, earned eight points for the team, which you know yes. matters even more than uh, than all that, and especially with uh, you know Kimmy's you know falling off a cliff in terms of track position, right? Uh, with tires uh, and Kimmy being out of the points, it was certainly good for the team to uh, to have Romain do uh, do a good job and, and stay longer in the race. But uh, yeah, both Force Indias out of the points, Felipe Massa out of the points. Um, he says it's a step forward, even though he hasn't which, gotten any points. I mean, if you look. If you look at the stats, I mean, in a way, he's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you just... got nowhere to go but up, I guess you can just keep moving up. I mean, but... if you look at Moss's trajectory of finishes, it's it's 17th to 15th to 13th. Wow. So by the U.S. Grand Prix, he may get some points. That, <laughs> I mean, that would really just, be something. I know. It's it's not good, but it's it's better. It's not. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, we have the the usual, you know, the STRs really pretty well off the pace. You know, those those guys have been have had some good results and uh, look like, you know, they can challenge for points and so that. But today, 16th and 17th, uh, Vern just ahead of Ricardo. So not a brilliant run for the STRs today. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, look, I, I, as you look at the numbers again, it's really amazing. Sauber is fourth in the constructors. You know, Sergio Perez is, what, seventh in the driver's standings right now? It, it, it's It's... That team has found something here. I mean, ugly is fast, perhaps. They've kind of had the ugliest car the last couple of years. I think that's definitely true this year. But that car is turned on. I mean, it's, it's impressive. Yeah, man, you can't argue with success. And uh, for, for those drivers and, and that team to be able to get, you know, get the results that they have, in, both in qualifying and then obviously over the course of a race as well, is pretty cool. So most likely uh, the Bahrain race will not have, uh, not, not have rain. Um, <laughs> it's probably going to be the the higher temperatures, um, yes. and, and it's usually fairly consistent in the desert. I mean, every once in a while you get something, uh, you know, the, out of the ordinary. But usually, forecasting over there is pretty reliable. Well, is that is was it Bahrain? Because you did an endurance, you did an endurance race. That was in Dubai. That was in Dubai. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that it, you know, it gets cold at night, but they're racing it the day, so it doesn't matter, you know. But uh, so it, usually, it's pretty consistent weather uh, in in Bahrain, and. Uh, uh, so, you know, we'll be able to see, I guess, if the Saubers on a sort of, you know, normal, more normal race weekend. I mean, I guess there's, no, you know, we're, you know, getting into the season here and have yet to, you know, really admit that there's been a normal race so far. Right, exactly. But, Which uh, is awesome. I hope right. we go a long time before we get a normal race. Right. Uh, yeah. So because so far um, it's three different teams, let alone three different drivers winning um, and, you know, both you know the Ferrari and the Mercedes. You would not have expected to have any to have you know victories right out of the box. But so, no matter uh, what happens, no matter what happens, Sauber Ferrari already has thirty-one points right. on the table. That's impressive. Right. I wonder how did how many points did they have last year? Probably not even that many. Oh gosh, uh, I could look that up, but it would take a minute. I, it, it, yeah, you look that up. But the thing about Sauber Ferrari is that they uh, are fourth in the constructors. They have a second place finish. Um, this time around, they were both comfortably in Q3. You know, it, it's it's impressive, and I'm I'm excited to see what they can do. And I'm very curious to see if there's anything um, clever that you know we learn about that car. It's like, oh, it turns out they have one of these, which is really slick. And uh, one thing that Kamui Kawaiyashi 
did this time around is he had a fast lap. Sauber Ferrari was the fastest lap on track this time around. Yeah, last year in 2011, Sauber had, uh, they were seventh in the Constructors' Championship with 44 points. And that's after 19 races. That's amazing. And here we are with three races in, and we're at, what, 31 points? 31. So, uh, yeah, pretty big jump up in terms of performance and, uh, you know, ex- hopefully exciting times to, to move on. So, um, yeah, with, with different cars, different drivers winning every time and uh, and so on. I mean, I guess, you know, I'm trying to think who whose turn is it, right? It could be could be Red Bull coming back around. Red although Bull. It's, you know, the, the Red Bull car is certainly capable. If the Ferrari can win, the Red Bull can definitely win. I mean, think of it. I mean, Vettel, Vettel was running as high as third. I don't think he ever got in the second. You know, but Vettel is, Vettel is certainly capable of winning a race. So is Mark Webber in the car they have, given the conditions. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, the Lotus could potentially win where things go that way. I'd say we have five, I would say we have five potential race-winning cars here at the moment. Yeah. And well, yeah. When you think, yeah, Sauber's even as a <laughs> five and a half, maybe shall we say? But uh, yeah, so Vettel was second for a couple laps after he passed Kimi, and then Kimi Raikkonen went all down down the field ah, from there. Okay, he did Fair take point. over second place for a couple laps, um, just to try to stave off the emails before they start coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 almost it's frustrating because it's one of those races where there's tons to talk about, but you kind of have to pick and choose because it's it's a bit scrambling your brain. You know, so much happened in such a short amount of time. Right, which is brilliant, you know. Uh, right. I, I think that's, that's it is the, the overall happiest, theme. Happiest problem to have is that even and, and the, the conditions today weren't weren't rain, uh, and it wasn't. You know, it was dry, but it was sort of cloudy, and I guess you know the, the temperature being a little bit cooler than expected was sort of what what caught them out overall. Um, and maybe that was part of the excitement. So maybe you know the Pirelli guys should not look at the forecast before picking what tires and just go. I don't know. <laughs> use those tires, and we'll see what happens. But uh, the, so the one downside with those tires, and maybe this is a good time to mention, it, is. That was a tremendous amount of rubber built up offline, and we don't want that because it does make it harder to pass. I say that knowing that there were tons of passes in this track, but it also, you know, Kimi Raikkonen certainly is not going to argue with that complaint. You know, and there are a couple other people where, um, you know, Fernando Alonso got off in the marbles and he ended up going off track entirely. He was able to save it. So that is one thing. If we can have everything we've got and also reduce the marbles. That would be spectacular. Not sure if that's even really possible, but yeah. Well, I mean, if the tires, yeah, wearing down that quickly. I guess the rubber goes somewhere, and uh, and it, but it's a good point though because you know with all the focus on overtaking with uh, DRS and you know and I guess the tires themselves and the design of those. But if uh, all that is counteracted by like, oh, by the way, it's really really slippery when you're not on the racing line, regardless of the arrow and regardless of your grip and all that, uh, then that's uh, you know still a concern. But uh, you know it's. There, there's just moments in this race when you're, you know, for a while, like I say, it was a little bit of a parade in the beginning. But then once it opened up, I mean, it was just a fun race to watch. And that's cool. Okay. And once again, and always, it is our favorite part of the show. It is listener feedback. And today we start with something kind of rare, which is a complaint. Right. We get lots of times people uh, write in and say, oh, they like the show and it's cool and we do a great job. And that's fun. And it's certainly good to hear that uh, people like what we're doing. But every once in a while we get some criticism. And uh, we got some this past week. Uh, he posted in a couple of areas. And this is uh, from Ashraf W. Who says, hi, I'm a fan of Formula One. And I should tell you guys that your podcast sucks. Yes, some information's come out of it, but not too, but, uh, but too much um. And the two of you don't even read your papers before you record the podcast. Not professional at all. And this comes from a guy that only downloaded the latest two podcasts. 
Only reason I downloaded these podcasts is because the official Formula One site don't have podcasts yet, and I can't find the proper English podcast for Formula One. Yes, which, you know, at first glance sounds kind of scathing. I mean, the word sucks is in there and everything else. And I don't think there's too much um. I think there's too much you knows, but whatever. There's plenty of um. There's plenty of um. That's a good point, though. Uh, However, if if you peel this back a little bit, if you unravel it just a little bit, you realize that this is actually a comment... Uh, compliment in disguise because he is comparing us to professional podcasts like the official formula one site or bbc and some proper of the, yeah. english podcasts which we speak english but we don't speak english with an english accent so right uh you know it's it's kind of a compliment which we appreciate and uh the other thing that's kind of lovely about it was you know we you know both jim and i responded and uh you know respect the fact that he took the time to comment but um, we also had some support from some of our more regular fans, which was really nice. Yeah, you post something on our Facebook page, you're going to get our posse. <laughs> but it was it was cool. I mean, you know, people uh, obviously with uh, you know all the listeners that are out there and all the other people that are part of our our whole you know Facebook you know community really now um, that uh, people somebody somebody gets uh, you know likes what we do here, and uh, it was cool to have people uh, you know sort of. Uh, share in that, and it's kind of a good reminder that uh, people do care about what we do, which is which is fun to see over and above just kind of the you know the number of likes on Facebook and the number of downloads on a show to uh, to really see that people care about what we do, and that's definitely part of uh, what's fun about this. So uh, what started out as, as sort of a, a you know negative toward us um, really doesn't doesn't bother us too much. But um, as as we mentioned, uh, there are plenty of other F1 podcasts, uh, so I, I would be a little bit surprised if Ashraf is still listening to our show. But um, if you are, uh, you could check out Side Podcast, uh, which they are. <laughs> Uh, probably a bit more professional uh, in a couple of areas than uh, than what we offer, and, and uh, definitely way more English accented. They than speak we are. English, English. Uh, that's that's definitely true. Um, but you know, and, the, and there's a lot of the teams put out shows, and there's various things. But um, you know, we have our our own brand of not quite professional, uh, in because you know our jobs are not podcasting. We have day jobs, and this is just uh, kind of one of our little side projects. But uh, we have a lot of fun doing it, and I think a lot of people have fun uh, taking part in it as well. Absolutely. So, uh, but again, we do we do properly respect someone taking the time to um, comment and things like that. However, we had many many other comments because um, uh, we kind of had a long break, so we had lots to talk about. Um, we had a lot of great discussions on the Facebook page um, that I mentioned before about uh, whether we should go to Bahrain or not. You know, Craig uh, Craig, uh, for example, just wanted a formula in a race. Didn't care where. It could have been, you know, go karts on some back alley somewhere. He just wanted to see a race. Give me something, he says. Mm-hmm. And we got other people that um, were a little bit more concerned about the safety, a little bit more concerned about the uh, the citizens of Bahrain's plight and things like that. Um, we had a lot of great comments and feedback from our. Um, of our uh, lap of the Grand Prix of America, the upcoming Port Imperial Street Circuit, which was a lot of fun. Um, one thing that uh, actually I do want to mention about that specifically, and uh, thanks to Sean Scanlon for this, um, he wrote, uh, turn on the subtitles, and it uh, says uh, some expletives about the traffic. So there is a beta version of a subtitle reader on YouTube. And... It, right, it listens to the audio track and tries to work out what we're saying. And gives you subtitles on the bottom. And it got it way wrong. Yeah. At one point, and I have to point this out, I don't know what we said, and I, don't, I know it wasn't this. We were, it was towards the end, we were around P.F. Chang's, and we said something about turning left or whatever. And the subtitle said, Volatile Meatloaf. Which really <laughs> which is, is 
potentially something very pithy. It's we not. just we didn't know what the heck it was going for. There was a couple of penis jokes in there. If you look at the subtitles and a couple other things, I was like, we did not say that. So uh, definitely a beta version of that. But uh, if if you want, if you want kind of like the Three Stooges ver- ver- version of the uh, Port Imperial Street Circuit, turn on the uh, beta subtitles and. and Check out the difference. It's, it it's is inter- fairly it's goofball, indeed. Um, then we also had on the uh, on our Twitter followers a couple of people, um, you know, making mentions to us. Um, Wordy Woo sixty eight says the race is, is a pawn in the political game, and for Bernie, only money talks. F one should not go. Unfortunately, that is not the uh, prevailing opinion because it's as of this point anyway. <laughs> F one is going, um, and. Uh, you know, we've got uh, some other people uh, mentioning, oh, uh, Billy7766 says that Christian Horner should appear on our show um, after he was on the Sky TV F1 show. And, uh, you know, that we got here first by like five years and that we're awesome. So we appreciate the feedback. And uh, <laughs> that would be quite something. I think the Hornets would go nuts if we had Christian Horner on the F1 show. That would just be a, uh, a big old deal right there. Yes, yes, absolutely. We also had some comments on the F1 show website itself. Um, uh, really, most recently, uh, you know, our lap of the uh, Port Imperial Street Circuit. Um, Toby S. commented that uh, we had a great run through, guys. I'm really looking forward to seeing this track. I have a really good feeling it could turn into a classic, and we agree. Um, having seen it in person, we were actually both came we both came away quite impressed, and uh, definitely excited to see it. Um, and I, I'm very glad we did what we did. Because it'll be very interesting to see how they fix a couple of little details that you and I found, like the water treatment plant, for example, and those kind of things. So thank you for Toby S. for uh, commenting on F1Show.com about that. But in this year, 2012, the hardest year to make any kind of reasonable predictions, I think it's time that we actually have to make some predictions. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Alrighty, so in the eras of dominance, be that by Michael Schumacher, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel, this predictions game is like, okay, is it going to be the same guy as usual, or is it going to be somebody else? That is not what we are up against this year. We've got different people getting pulled, different people getting victories, and, you know, still nothing from the Red Bulls. So, the question, first question is, how did we do from last week? And then we'll look at the week ahead. Uh, But I, I feel like I need to make a quick shout out. Uh, looking through our predictions results uh, on the Facebook page. This is on facebook.com slash F1 show. You can click on predictions at the top of the page. Uh, Tom Fricker is either clairvoyant or very lucky or possibly both because he is the only one that predicted Hamilton for pole and Alonzo for the win. No, he didn't. He predicted Alonzo for the win and was no, rewarded he, with come on. zero points. Um, just looking through the title. That's amazing. Some people had Kovalainen and Grosjean. Oh, wait, the, those, those people didn't predict. I'm like, who predicted Grosjean? <laughs> so he was the only one to predict Alonso for the win, and he also happened to pick Hamilton for pole position. So that was an amazing performance wow. by Tom Fricker for the uh, Malaysia race. How does that put him overall? I don't know. I'm not looking at that screen right now. But um, <laughs> So you, my, my dear co-host, um, had predicted Hamilton for the pole position, which seemed very reasonable and was also a very popular choice. And that is correct. correct. Uh, but Vettel for the win... Uh, which was not correct. Uh, and then, oh, you're talking about Malaysia. Talking about Malaysia. Yes. Yeah, this is the last race, right? Did I miss one? No. <laughs> yeah, for for the last race. Yes. We need to talk about how we did, right? No. Okay. China is the last race. China is what happened just now. Right. Malaysia happened one race ago. Well, yes. <laughs> I'm confused. Okay. 
Well, we're not even on the top 100 on the on on uh, China. No, here we are. We're 40th and 59th over in terms of one race where we where we came in uh, uh, for China. Uh, how we predicted at the Malaysia podcast <laughs> and <laughs> and where we are today. How we doing? Are we back? Yes. You were 59th, dude. You you predicted Hamilton Hamilton, which was obviously wrong because he was nowhere near pole position with his seven, with his seventh spot grid place. We don't go by where they qualified because if there's any penalties, those are kind of we go by where they start on the grid. Yes. So Hamilton was was considered as seventh, uh, and then Hamilton to win, which is also not uh, not terribly correct. I was only one place better than you because I thought Hamilton was going to be on pole, but Button was going to win. So I got seven points. You got eight. But a lot of people, I was 40th and you were 59th in well, the standings for we that were, particular race. Well, we were encumbered because um, Hamilton made the decision to change his gearbox before first practice. So it was known that he was going to get a five-grid grid spot penalty no matter where he started um, before P1. So lots and lots and lots of people that played the predictions game changed their predictions knowing that. And you and I did not. We decided that we are going to stick with what we said last show. Because that's how we've always played it, and we like to kind of we we just live dangerously that way, and so lots of other people got to take advantage of that knowledge, and we chose not to do so. But that was our decision. That we, did we run cost what us. we brung, if you will. But uh, another person that cannot, which isn't a person that cannot uh, change their mind, is the statistical model, which also had Hamilton on pole, and. Um, also had Fernando Alonso to win the race. Neither of those things happened. He wasn't even close. So uh, even though we did quite poorly, we still did better than the statistical model. And I have an exciting announcement. What is that? The statistical model is no longer going to be called the statistical model. Ooh. I have named it. Yeah? Yes. And what is the name? Damien. Fair enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> that thing can be... The devil sometimes, or at least the son of the devil. Hence, it's now named Damien. But you've gotten into some fights with Excel, haven't you? <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking about uh, naming it after uh, its creator and calling it, like, you know, the Brock or something like that. But then I decided, no, Damien's better. Fair enough. So where we uh, rank now after China, which is, of course, the level of predictions that we're talking about, um, I am in 14th spot behind loads of other Family 13 fans um, with 16 points. Um, I'm actually tied with Craig the Kilt Wilson. Um, you are just a few points back in, with 19 points in 18th spot, actually tied with prediction, previous prediction champion James Payne. What's going on with the, uh, the Payne train? That's so, what I want to know. Apparently, you're riding the pain train at the moment. In <laughs> uh, so we're both so considering all the all the various nonsense that's gone on. I mean, anyone who had Schumacher for victory today is in a world of hurt with yes. his 24th place yes. finish and, and whatnot. And that wouldn't have been that crazy of a prediction, you know, with the way things went. So anyway, um, things are pretty wild over there. And but this this season is making making this uh, the predictions game a lot more fun. And if you haven't taken part already, it's not really too late with as many races as we have left. So. Um, visit the Facebook page, visit F1show.com, and you can find links to everything right there. But most importantly, we need to predict the future. Yes, yes. So uh, what we have coming up is Bahrain. Mm -hmm. Bahrain is a whole nother ball game when it comes to these tires. We kind of talked about it early in the show a little bit. I look back and I looked at previous race winners and stuff. I've been trying to be a little bit more objective about this this past year. And the the answer basically was... That the Ferraris do really well in Bahrain, mm -hmm. but, but. 
you know, I'm not so sure because you know, last year uh, you would think, oh, well, the uh, Red Bulls would have dominated, but they didn't have the race last year. And in 2010, in fact, the Red Bulls were dominating, but uh, Vettel had like a, like a brake disc explode or he lost mm-hmm. something happened there, so his car failed, and Alonso went on to win the race. Um, so I can't really use the history here because it's like it's all Ferrari and Renault actually. Uh, Jensen Button won in the Braun Mercedes. Well, but the Renault, like, the Lotus, that could you know. But yeah, but none of this is terribly relevant. It's really not. Point. So stop selling. And who do you think is going to be on pole position? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I I I don't want to the, just jump on some Mercedes bandwagon all of a sudden say, well, they've got this thing figured out and they're going to start winning races from the beginning to the end. But you you it is hard. It is hard to deny that the upgrades they made to the car, plus the advantage of the double durs that they've got, or the super durs, or the super DRS, whatever you call it. Super durs, I think. No, you called it super DRS. So I've now changed your mind. I effectively changed your mind and called it super durs. No, you wanted to be called durs or something stupid. <laughs> I'm calling anyway. it double durs. It is and always has been. Double durs? No, you just changed it Super again. durs. <laughs> Stop trying to confuse me. <laughs> anyway, I have a feeling that they could be very strong in qualifying yet again. However, I'm 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 having a hard time saying that they're going to repeat with the win. So I am going. I haven't to, heard a prediction yet. You haven't, but you're about to. Michael Schumacher on pole position. Ah, oh, really? You're going bold, man. Lewis Hamilton to win the race. I mean, I should go first on the predictions thing. <laughs> You've you've gone first for years, and then you tossed it to me, and now you're upset about it. Yes, because I, looking at f1show.com slash stats, have looked at the trajectory that Michael Schumacher is on of qualifying fourth, third, second, and then that brings us to Bahrain. So I was like, oh, using math and and science and non and you know none of this none of this frou frou nonsense, but really looking at the numbers. Now you're stalling. It's logical. Well, I had Schu- I had Schumacher Hamilton. I thought it was going to be Hamilton's first win. I don't want to predict the same as you though. Oh, but you can. That is allowed. I mean, we can, but it's like we are allowed that, to agree we, with each then, other. Then we we pass. Or, I guess I'm ahead of you now, so I have less to lose by by doing the safe bet. Uh, Ooh. Okay, I'm I'm gonna stick with it then. I think let's let's go nuts. You're going to go nuts by sticking with it. Yes. By <laughs> that, the nuts not thing going is, nuts. The nuts thing is, is that it got Schumacher for pole position. That, that's what's a little bit nuts. Except okay. that it's not because it's a perfectly reasonable prediction for us to make. And here we are. Okay. <laughs> so. But I think, I think it's, Hamilton's going to come good. I think the, the, the pace will work out. The tires will be managed. The whole thing will, will come together for him. Uh, Schumacher's either a wheel will fall off or he will have some hydraulic yeah. problem. Something will go wrong. Exactly. In his race. Right. Um, yeah, I you know it's 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 really funny because, uh, I just I feel like Hamilton's got to get something to convert because not only has he been qualifying so well still, but he's like he hasn't been finishing well and he still stayed calm about it. You know what I mean? Well, like, he is he leading the championship. I mean yeah, that might make and that, feel that, a little bit better. That does help. So anyway, so right. there it is. We're 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 gonna agree. We are bypassing Red Bulls altogether for this. We are gonna agree to agree here. And Ferraris, yeah, it's gonna be a Mercedes McLaren uh, kind of day. Well, we'll see. We shall see. In the meantime, perhaps we can remind our fans that there are a number of things they can do in between the races involved with the F1 show. They can go to f1show.com, where if they feel compelled that we're so amazing, we are so professional, and we are so English, 
that we need money. We need pounds. We need we need some. Or that quid. we're not professional enough, and what we really need is, is money. <laughs> there is a donut button on f1show.com. <laughs> donut button. A donate button that makes more sense. <laughs> or if you want something, if you want something for your pounds, quid, or whatever denomination of money units, you know those you are the same thing, us. right? Yes, I know they're the same thing. Two different names. Yes. You can go to Warner Motorsports. Dot com and get an F1 show t-shirt, which is super amazing. Or you can go to YouTube and you can check out our latest video, the Port Imperial Street Circuit video. There are so many things you can do. And then, of course, there's a Facebook page and everything else. Just yet another reminder. Oh, and there's iTunes. If you like us, comment on it on iTunes. There's so many things to do. I think all of us are going to be very busy between now and the next race. But really the bottom line, I think it starts at F1show.com. <laughs> yes. And from there, just follow the links and have a good time and be part of the community and read the stats so that you also can make really well-informed and brilliant predictions or we're all wrong and we're going to be laughing at ourselves next week. <laughs> Either way, we don't know. But uh, Bahrain is just a short week away. We're going to have to see because I'm not going to be in this area at all. Um, then exactly what we'll be able to do for a show. But stay tuned to uh, Facebook and F1Show.com, and you'll get something from us, and it'll be tasty. Till then, I'm Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner, hoping that the gods of speed bless you all.